everybody. Welcome to our show. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. This is a podcast for and about the town we love. And now we're talking Darien. Hello and welcome. Today is October 19th, 2022. And tonight we were lucky enough to talk to Dr. Danielle Douglas as the fourth in a four-part series, uh, fourth, fourth episode in a four-part series on our teens' mental health. Um, you know, if we want to look at it like mind, body, spirit, she is the body part of this, uh, looking at how you know, nutrition and our physical health can influence our mental health. Yeah. I don't know if I have much to add. You said it beautifully. Oh, you know what I will add there actually, Taylor, is that I am very much excited about this episode. And I use the word excited. It's an over, overutilized word, but I like it here because this is another episode that offers solutions in this like kind of sea of anxiety and depression that we're dealing yeah. with. Like I, I want to come out of here with tangible ideas and solutions. And I think, and I hope uh, she brings us to you guys tonight. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting because this episode ties in well with our sponsor for tonight, Riley Volvo. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about Jameson and Jess Riley, who have this dealership, which is a family dealership in, located in Stanford. Um, and they are committed to kind of, you know, the whole experience and health and well-being. And I think Volvo is a much bigger brand than just cars. Absolutely. Well, their their motto there at, at Riley Volvo that's a focus on family well being and making our community better. And they literally walk that walk, talk that talk Every by day. contributing yep. to different businesses in town, sponsor different events, car shopping, which is something I dread. If you're like me, you absolutely dread car shopping. You go there whether you can do it fully online or fully in person, and these guys make it a non haggling, lovely experience. And they produce great cars. I mean, do you need a new car? Go down to Riley Volvo. Yeah, it's a family business. Um, Jameson's grandfather started it. Uh, his dad and himself, they work there. His brother, his cousin, like it's a, a, a big family effort. And uh, they're a lovely, lovely operation, lovely family. It's really, it's a great experience. So I think if you, like you said, if you need a car, consider Riley Volvo. Go down yeah. and tell them you heard about it from us. Shop smarter, shop Riley. <laughs> All right, so now bringing you back here to our episode for the evening, Dr. Danielle. I hope you guys enjoy it. Dr. Danielle, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me. We're, we're so grateful. Thank you for doing this phone interview all the way from California. Um, but you're actually from Darien, right? Yeah, I grew up in Darien. I went to Hanley School and I went to Middlesex Middle School and then graduated from Darien High School in 94. I was active um, in a lot of extracurricular activities, post-53 when Bud Doble ran it, um, also Theater 308, as well as played varsity lacrosse. So I, I basically ran the gamut of every extracurricular activity you could do. Yeah. Um, I then graduated and went to Cornell University where I studied uh, pre-med and went to University of Connecticut for med school and then flew out to California to complete emergency medicine residency at UC San Diego. Wow. Yeah. And you, so you've been a, a, an emergency medicine doctor for about 20 years, right? That's correct. Um, and just by by working in some of the busiest ERs in San Diego County, um, I learned over time that we were kind of failing on the front of um, preventive medicine, right? And after about the hundredth time of giving a patient a piece of paper with Deepak Chopra's meditation website um, and giving it to one of my patients to meditate while I just went and got their labs, to tell them that they were still diabetic and still hypertensive, that um, we were kind of missing the boat on something. And so I went into functional medicine 
to um, really practice the way I thought medicine should be practiced when you're looking at optimization of health. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? Like, what does that mean to leave, you know, what everyone considers like the traditional doctor, the emergency room physician, and become a functional medicine doctor? What's the difference? Yeah, so functional medicine is systems biology-based approach that focuses on identifying and addressing the root cause of disease. So, um, for instance, you can have a diagnosis of depression by your primary care doctor, um, and that can have many causes, though. Instead of just treating with one, you know, antidepressive agent from your allopathic doctor, which is your typical doctor that goes to medical school, from a functional perspective, we would look at omega-3 deficiencies through functional labs. We look at thyroid, we look at vitamin D deficiency, we look at antibiotic use in the past and the gut microbiome. And, or you can look at some a cause such as inflammation causing many conditions such as depression or arthritis or cancer or diabetes, heart disease. And you work on the inflammation and the diabetes improves, the depression improves, the arthritis improves. And it's a little different as opposed to allopathic medicine where you're looking at the symptoms and usually treating the symptoms, but not looking at the root cause of why the symptoms have started to occur. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so uh-huh. we've had on a functional medicine specialist, our functional med doctor, Dr. Zimbrowski. He's a local guy. We love him. He, um, he came in during COVID and kind of talked to us on, you know, basic, you know, health immunity during a time, you know, about your own antibiotics when a time when... I think we were relying a lot on vaccine, you know, waiting on vaccines to, you know, kind of solve the problem. So it, it kind of opened up tailors in, my, ours, my, tailors in my mind to functional medicine and, and the opportunity here. In this case, we're excited to bring you on and revisit this again and link back to this world of mental health and what our kids are going through and how functional medicine can kind of back, you know, take, you know back us out of that and say what's going on with our kids from a medical standpoint. Right. And, and so, you know, suicidality, depression rates, anxiety rates are uh, all-time high, um, especially in the teenage population. And why is that? And it's multifactorial. I mean, some of them are, it's social, um, social acceptance of suicide. There are social media platforms that help with actually... Um, children to um, carry out suicide if they want it. Right. And so we um, this. that's so that's so upsetting, by the way. I don't think I've even, there's yeah. also like a emotional and spiritual stressors. It can be for older people, a birth of a child. It can be a divorce of parents. Um, it right. can be a super stressful. Okay. So right uh, there, boom, mm-hmm. what you just said is a lot to think of. If you, if you think about that, like any sort of stress, like it could even be like your job or like a bad test grade for a kid. If we're going to put it in adolescent terms. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that alone can initiate a, a physical like health issue for response, response, whether that be like something like a can something tangible, like, like a medical, like a cancer or diabetes or to your point, like depression. So, well, it, it's a it's a continuum, right? So you're going to start with some sort of stressor, and that's going to kind of throw your cortisol levels high. And that cortisol is a hormone, right? And if you have high cortisol levels, you have to you have to somehow supply those cortisol levels with glucose and the most readily available amino acids within the body to supply those high cortisol levels are from the gut and the skeletal muscle. Mm. And so as you need those, what you see is increased inflammation within the gut 
and sarcopenia, so breakdown of muscle, not able to build muscle as, as readily. And um, when you start getting inflammation within the gut, you have changes within the microbiome and then also poor absorption of nutrients that you may be eating. Um, and then you end up becoming somewhat nutritionally depleted, right? You don't have the key nutrients to help with depression, anxiety, which would be like omega-3s and vitamin D and zinc. Um, and tryptophan, say your amino acids, like tryptophan, that, that is my primary um, backbone of, of serotonin and, so, and zinc. So what you need is to start at the up very upstream and say, well, why is this occurring? Because if I just work on giving someone a bunch of nutrients and um, supplements or working on their diet, and I don't fix the high cortisol levels, and they keep you keep running from the tiger all the time, you're still having this um, entire milieu of inflammation go on, right? And you're still gonna, it's like spitting in the wind, right? You're, 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 you have inflammation within your gut, and it's not going to stop unless you deal with the emotional or spiritual stressful that, that may have come at the beginning. And, and like you have probably learned, our, our spirituality as a society has, has significantly declined. And so it doesn't mean that you need to be part of an organized religion, but having some sort of connection with a group, whether that be like a yoga or, or a higher, a belief in a higher power, um, and or um, understanding that you have a purpose in this world is very important. And we've kind of gotten away from that um, as a society. And, and people who have a spirituality in that, in that framework often do better with these, these stressors um, because they have a connection with something greater than themselves. Um, so that's one aspect to improving mental health within your children is giving them something greater than themselves to look at whether that be spirituality or religion. That is fascinating. Uh, well, it's fascinating. I mean, because um, I, I, I think you know this. You're in, you're in the fourth part of our series, and we just you know spoke with a set of clergy here in our town to talk about that element and what that brings, and um, you know how faith can play a role, like a healing role. So I love that you said that. Um, going back to um, the actual stressors and, and the link there. You yeah. So a stressor is is variable, right? Something that stresses you may not stress me, you know, and your resilience may be different than mine. And so it's how we perceive the stress, um, which which creates um, the physiological change within our body, which differs you different for than than me. And so. But bringing down those cortisol levels, if you are having high stress, is key in optimization of the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. And that's kind of the brain connects to the adrenal gland, which releases this cortisol. And you want it to be able to function and speak to um, and good feedback loops. But eventually, if you're constantly running from the tiger, the brain stops responding the way it should, and that whole HPA access becomes dysfunctional, and it's not going to be it's it's not going to be working the way it should. And you see this in children who have been, you know, say in uh, domestic violence situations or abuse when they were younger. I mean, this is the extreme, but their cortisol sensory mechanism. So, um, wait, can I interrupt for a second? When you say running from the tiger, what do you mean by that? Like it could be, it could be just 
you know, running from one thing to the next, like little to no sleep. I'm working in a super stressful job and then I have to take care of my three kids and then I have to go and do extramural activities. Say Or say it with a child, with a teenager, you know, I'm not getting good sleep because for different reasons, like I'm studying or I'm on the internet and then I'm getting up and then I'm going to school and then I'm going to three different activities after school. I'm staying up late because I need to study and then I'm not getting the sleep. And so sleep hygiene is really key. Um, okay, wait, for, before, you, before yeah. you go into sleep hygiene, like I, I want to get to that too. So what you just described there, by the way, is pretty much like, I feel like what most dairy parents would describe their lives are with kids, right? They get to go to school and they have, they have activity, 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 and they come home, do homework, quick dinner, like, you know, by nine, 10 at night, go back to bed, wake up, you know, a couple hours of sleep. Um, so I love that you just pretty much described that, that, that kid, but I, but I was going to ask, is stress, or what you saw in the emergency room and now what you're seeing in functional medicine, are you saying that stress is leading to like the majority of these problems or is it like what we're actually putting in our body that's leading to these problems? Yeah. I want to know about the priority. Like, where do you start? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you like, okay, so it's multifactorial, right? You have to deal, it's multiple um, spokes of the wheel. So you have to deal with the emotional and spiritual aspects of health and then you deal with nutritional aspects of health and then you deal with um your exercise right you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet right you need these nutrients for your cells to function and you need to work on calming and decreasing those pressures from externally to improve health overall so you're saying, so your point is like when you're looking at someone's, as from a healthy perspective, you need to make sure like they have that spiritual sense. They need to have a nutritional sense. They need to have the exercise component and then they have like the sleep component. Is that right? Are those like some of the yeah, big buckets? Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like you're a plant, you know, you need water, sun and food. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also need to exercise and have a greater feeling of purpose within within your peer group or your society. Okay, well then break that down for kids and why are kids now more than ever like stressed over having like, you know, having more signs of depression and right, Taylor, is it me? Is it, is well, it I mean, anxiety I'm, in kids? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, established in the first three episodes that there's there are a lot of stressors for our kids today and they're feeling it you know in an incredible way um you know by talking to the therapist we've talked about ways to kind of handle it through therapy and then there's the clergy that discussed the role of faith which i love that we're touching on again um you know i guess i'd, I'd ask you danielle to focus on you know, the nutritional aspects are things that we can do with our bodies. It's sort of like mind, body and spirit, right? What do we do with our bodies to help support the work that's being done maybe with therapy or with spiritual efforts? Right. Um, Wait, Danielle, I'm going to jump in here and I want to put a finer point on Taylor's question and say like, what does a nutrition deficiency look like in our kids? Yeah. And that's a really interesting and good question. And sometimes I mean, in the you can see changes in the nails, you can change changes in the tongue, changes in the hair, um, but sometimes they can be even very subtle. So, like changes in mood, changes in um, their ability to cope with things, uh, sometimes even changes in concentration. So it's variable, and what we say in functional medicine is, you know, the the genes are the gun, and then the environment is a trigger, and so depending on your genetic propensity for disease, these different emotional or these different nutritional deficiencies will manifest in different ways. Well, how do you know if it's a nutritional one versus like a sleep one, right? That the symptoms you just described could also, I feel like, be from a kid, at least the lack of focus could be from sleep, right? 
Yeah, completely. So uh, I think you have to look at it from all angles, right? Make sure your child is getting good sleep and you're practicing good sleep hygiene, that they're, you know, getting an hour or two before sleep where they're not on their computer or they're using blue blocker glasses at night if they have to be doing homework late and you're making their room super dark and it's cool and you're allowing them time to kind of de-stress and even for adults like have some sort of regimen and not superhuman but if you create an environment where it's calming for them invariably it's calming for you which will then also help with your melatonin production and your improvement of your sleep um, as uh, when you go to sleep. Because we know that high cortisol levels throughout the day, you're running through one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. If you're not taking at least a couple moments throughout the day, even if it's just one minute of deep breathing and refocusing and under, and seeing, like checking in physiologically, you know, whoa, I've been just, I literally have been going all day. I need to take a second. Um, right, and so the, I think we have to teach our children that as well. So then like going back to Taylor's bigger question that she kind of started with and I, I put up like a finer tune to it. So going back to like the solutions, like I think really focusing on, you know, what are they eating? What am I giving to them? And, you know, if it's not made by God, so to speak, maybe we shouldn't be eating it. And like when you go to the grocery store, try and stay on the outside aisles and don't go down, you know, the diabetes and cancer aisles. <laughs> and it's often very easy to do that, right? Like I'm running from, um, you know, baseball to water polo practice and I need to get something in them quickly. So here's this bar. Mm-hmm. All right, great. So maybe that works once or twice, but when that takes the precedent over, a meal and then they're too tired when they come home to actually eat a full meal over time nutritionally they are going to be um, depleted and and often it's overutilization, right we see like a nine-year-old boy who's doing two and a half hours worth of you know water polo or you know say soccer or lacrosse um, at three times a week and he just can't physically eat enough to keep up with the metabolic demands of him growing and then also um, like over overutilization of nutrients. So what is that doing to him physiologically and then also to his brain long-term? Yeah. So what and is that's it doing? Where, yeah. What well, is it doing when you're doing this to your kids? This is what we're pretty much doing to our kids. I feel like, right? I have to like, yeah. we are throwing a bar at them and going from thing to thing. So what are we doing to our kids? Well, so that's where you have to go. Okay. Well, we, we need, we need, proper food and proper meals and oftentimes like kids not eating great at, at school like they're having this lunch or they maybe they won't eat it but when you come home there's little things like when they come home they're usually hungry so maybe make them some sauteed vegetables and be like you can have the sauteed vegetables and then you can have like you know the not so good snack you know you kind of balance it out and then also make them realize so when you eat that pancake with syrup for Saturday morning breakfast and like an hour later or two, they're kind of sluggish or kind of angry. You go, well, how did that make you feel versus the eggs and, you know, quinoa or whatever, your, you know, more wholesome meal mm-hmm. um, with protein, you know, a protein-based diet. Um, and what nutrient deficiencies are, are, are happening in these children are variable, right? That's where the functional testing is key, right? We, we want to know when we work these college student athletes, we want to know where are their amino acids at? Where is their magnesium, their B12 at? What is their D level when they are, you know, in Darien during the winter and they're not really exposed to sunlight very much? 
So, so that's where the functional lab testing is key because then you can optimize the nutrient status based on the individual as opposed to just saying, here, take this supplement, here, take this supplement, oh, integrate this. Like then you're just, a, you're probably not taking the right doses, right? And that's a, akin to taking like a quarter dose of penicillin. It's not going to treat the strep throat, right? We need to actually get the appropriate dosing of these nutrients and we need to make the lifestyle changes. So over time, the supplements are just supplemental to lifestyle changes. They're not, they're not going to be, you know, super long-term. It's just to kind of get them over the hump, depending on the, the, the patient, unless there's some sort of enzyme deficiency or severe problem with eating. Um, yeah. But like you said, okay, so you, at the top of that, I don't mean to use the word food chain, especially given this conversation, but is the <laughs> cortisol, right? Like is the stress is before we go any lower than that because that sounds like that causes the problems of the microbiome which causes like there's deficiencies and all that that we're getting into already is there anything mm -hmm. at, at the top of that food chain that you can do to address the cortisol through these methods rather than through therapy or through spirituality is there anything you suggest yeah I mean, the so nutrition addressing supplement. cortisol is key, right? And and that um, there's so many things you can do to address cortisol. One is what I was saying before is good sleep hygiene, bringing down those cortisol levels, um, taking time each day to just have a minute for breathing, meditation, whether that be, you know, teaching your kids to meditate when they're young um, will be helpful later on in life, right? It's coping skills. So even if like, you take three minutes right before you get out of bed during uh, every day, and then five minutes before you go to sleep. That's resetting the the, the cortisol levels and improving that. Um, and they show in brain studies that the, the hippocampus volume will increase. So brain health improves with meditation, um, and then also you know different modalities of of de-stressing whether that be exercise right not super intense high interval training exercise but gentle exercises markedly improves um, cortisol levels and it's very important and uh helpful and um but not well. to, not to ask a stupid question are there any nutritional strategies to deal with cortisol Oh, um, yes. So vitamin C is great for oh. um, cortisol. So, you know, getting from your diet increased um, foods with vitamin C. There are phytonutrients. Um, phytonutrients are like nutrients that we get from our, our uh, vegetables and like really colorful vegetables, fruits and vegetables. Um, also, there are something called adaptogens. So they are like herbs such as ashwagandha, where if your cortisol level is high, it helps bring it down. Or if it's low, it helps bring it up. So they're, they're adapting to the needs of the, the patient. So ashwagandha, rhodiola, ginseng. Um, so um, these, these are um, adaptogen herbs that can help. Hmm. Wow. That's, I had no, I thought the answer was no, Taylor, you're a moron, but that's great. That's really good to hear. And then <laughs> I want to hear more about the microbiome because I've heard a lot about it. I'm not sure that I'm the only one out there that is still sort of like thinks that's a mysterious, magical I word that a, I don't understand. Sounds but, like a good dog name. Here, microbiome. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I was thinking, but yeah. Okay. So Sorry. can you talk about that? Like, I mean, I've... Eh, how does that so relate the microbiome to is, is fascinating, right? Because we we know so little compared to what we're going to know in you know fifty years. But the 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 bacteria uh, within our gut, right, the microbiome, 
has its own DNA and it interacts with our DNA and, and also our hormonal production, um, just based and it changes. You can change your entire gut microbiome within four days. And we see this and it's based on what you eat. And Holy they're cow. doing studies now at Harvard where they look at psychiatric patients with depression and anxiety. They change their microbiome and improve their microbiome. So there's optimization of the microbiome, not certain levels of this type of bacteria, less of this bacteria. And their depression and anxiety markedly improves, if not resolves. Um, so oh, wow. looking at the micro, yeah. So looking at the microbiome of these patients is is key, and optimizing it through food is also key. So you can take probiotics; only going to last as long as you're taking the the pre and probiotics or the probiotics. Once you stop taking them, the microbiome reverts to you know what you're actually putting in the gut. It's like you're feeding the bacteria in your gut by the things you eat, and there's things that are called like prebiotics, like. Mm-hmm. Um, and feed different bacteria such as like pomegranate and cranberries that um, will improve acromantia levels. And if you have improved acromantia levels, decreases um, it will decrease metabolic dysfunction, so less insulin resistance and things like that. And then certain um, fiber can improve butyrate concentration, which helps with BDNF, which helps cell growth within the brain. So there are little things you can do and. Um, interject within your diet throughout the day and um, month to change your microbiome and actually has physiological effects besides just. um, So are there like magical foods that everyone should eat or is this unique to each individual person's like lab report? Right. So I think, so there are magical foods. Like I think eating a well-rounded diet, we tend to eat like the same thing, right? But we're not getting a well-rounded exposure to different say phytonutrients from the vegetables and fruits that we're eating because we're just not eating that type of food um so varying your diet throughout the year depending on what is in season um and going every when you go to the grocery store you know try to pick something off the shelf that you really haven't eaten so much any that much like such as like sunchokes you know that's a great prebiotic or um different did, fiber did you, you know? did you st- uh tell us like in our pre-interview like eat the rainbow Something oh like- yeah. yes try and i don't eat know the what a sun choke is a sun choke right so <laughs> you don't know but like you could go look it up and then next time you could you could try to integrate it into like your salad or say like lion's mane is the mushroom and, and it's really good for brain health so if you have cognitive disease in your family you know, dementia, um, maybe something that you want to start integrating or you're feeling those effects yourself. And ideally, like you can buy the root, like the turmeric root, um, and that causes decreased inflammation. So if you have chronic pain too, say you have pain because of a sports injury um, and you're going to be throwing up your cortisol levels every time you move because your pain is going to be throwing up cortisol. So improving that pain through anti-inflammatory foods such as ginger and turmeric and integrating those more in your diet will help also decrease the use of NSAIDs like ibuprofen and Motrin, which which essentially um, also has uh, ill effects on your microbiome. In- I was gonna say, you know, it's good at what you're saying is like, if you're a mom, like basically, or mom, dad, parent, experimenting with food, just grabbing random stuff and bringing it home and just experimenting is probably a good thing because any new nutrient, any new food group is a good addition to your diet. Yeah, like when you talked about, you know, the 
uh, the patients who were suffering from depression and they changed their microbiome in four days and saw results. I mean, is it as simple as like, if you're, if you're wanting to help your child, just getting a really, like you said, going to the grocery store into the produce section and getting a bunch of stuff and healthy and really focusing on eating a variety of nutrients over, you know, a week long period. Is that it? Or was that an experiment done in like a particular type of micronutrient to target a specific outcome? Right. So you, you will see effects if you do do that. But I think what's key too is every patient that works with me goes on an elimination diet where we eliminate gluten, dairy, eggs, soy, a caffeine, alcohol, uh, well, chocolate. I guess, I guess Taylor's not going to eat. I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and that's what's it. You only do it for 30, uh, 20 21 days. That's a long and time. what's important is the reintegration <laughs> of these. Yeah. So once the 21 days is over, you reintegrate one food every four days. And there are subtle changes, right? You're not going to have like an IgE allergy where you get anaphylaxis and can't breathe. But you may have subtle changes like, oh, you know what? I put back dairy and now every morning I wake up kind of anxious. Or I put back in gluten and I feel really depressed. Um, or I have eggs and my joint pain comes back. So it's a food sensitivity, which gives you the power to understand that your disease or your symptoms are multifactorial. And by improving um, those different factors or taking them out, you can improve your symptoms. And it doesn't mean you can never have gluten. It just means, hey, if I go and have that birthday cake, you know, I'm probably going to next day going to feel um, my migraine come back. Um, but at least I have the power to understand why it's happening. So it's just perspective. That's tremendous. That's also tremendous, you know, mind body awareness to, you know, be able to understand what you're like and recognize those small, subtle changes in yeah. your body. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're talking tonight with Dr. Danielle Douglas, a functional medicine expert. And Dr. Danielle, can I go back? And as we're talking about this, I know Taylor's got a, a question on I can see she's excited to say something to you, but can, we're going on nutrition. And I want to go back and ask you, what does in your as an MD an ERMD for twenty, 20 years you were, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my mm-hmm. question about that: What nutritional training did you have in all those years? So it's funny because um, really not much at all. You know, we we were looking at symptoms, right? We had some. We had like the USRDA, and if you were deficient in this, you could get rickets, and if you had you know deficient in this, then you could get scurvy, and that the idea was like to prevent those diseases, you need a minimum amount of, you know, vitamin C or vitamin D, but it wasn't like, this is the, what you need to do to optimize health. And when I went into medicine, like I used to sit there at Cornell university in like the lunch table and read the New York times biology section. Cause I wanted to know like, what was the latest in health and how could I optimize my health to be like the strongest and, you know, best I could be. And that was not taught in medical school. Like it was, it was like, here's disease. And this is the, the, the pharmacological thing to treat the symptoms. That wasn't productive. Yeah. And so to me, functional medicine was more in line with, okay, here's, here's the background and here's the data we have and integrating these types of nutrients, whether it be through food or supplements can have a significant impact on say inflammation, which is the basis or insulin resistance, the basis for uh, a multitude of diseases. 
Well, I, f- I feel like also, by the way, it goes back to like, you know, w- what a lot of the medical studies pay for. If you're talking about like, you know, big pharma, if they're going to, fa- they're going to, uh, a lot of experiments and research on that. But like the farmers of America aren't going to take a look at what eating an egg every day does to a human compared to, right? And right. And those studies are longitudinal and super expensive to carry out. And so, you know, like the broccoli family is not going to, come in and pay for that. That's just not going to happen. Although you would think that the NIH, after seeing the improvement in long-term um, chronic disease by taking a functional medicine approach, will save, you know, the healthcare industry, which is a trillion dollar business, you know, trillion dollar um, cost to our society um, money. So I think we're getting there. It's just the tenant of medicine is like a barge and like trying to move that, barge it's not like a speedboat so we have to it takes time and then we have to demand it right we when we go to the store we buy grass-fed pasture-raised beef because that's what we want and the cattle farmer lobbyists like they start they start giving us what we demand yeah i like that I love that you had the thirst for a deeper knowledge to go into to look to look at things that uh from a functional medicine standpoint and then thinking now about kids and I'm going straightly back to stri- straight back to nutrition. What we were talking about a few minutes ago. Can kids can they retrain their um, their their taste buds or their gut? Like you, you talked about the four day, you know, changing your microbiome in four days. But can you retrain like your mental um, aptitude for a certain food or your taste buds? Uh, Does that make sense? Is that a, is that is a silly question? No, it's it's really interesting. And by changing. Um, the microbiome and say, say you have some yeast overgrowth, right? Within your gut. And and we see this, we see this, especially after antibiotics, you have yeast overgrowth. It often creates cravings, cravings for sugar. And when you start to optimize the microbiome and decrease the yeast, those cravings go away. So your taste and what you need and want is, is variable depending on what you're eating. And especially if you're eating these artificially flavored kind of strawberry, the brain becomes kind of addicted to that. And, and it would, and it, if you're eating the real strawberries, um, it kind of cuts down on those cravings. You also see something called um, gluteomorphones and uh, caseomorphones within, so gluteomorphones within bread and caseomorphones within cheese or dairy. And that morphones is it acts on the receptor in the brain, the same receptor like that morphine acts on. So when you try to remove that from someone's diet, um, you'll have people like, I can't give up cheese. I can't give up cheese. Like they're like addicted to it. And then you take it out and they realize that they're not craving that anymore. And then in children too, they sometimes will, will like crave broccoli all like, all the time like what's going on well broccoli is a brassica like vegetable which has detoxification ability so if your glutathione stores which is the main nutrient for detoxification are low you're going to start to really want these kind of nutrients and so if you don't mess up your palate with all these artificial sweeteners and and foods your body really does know what it needs can you, yeah, and so can you not? Will the will the body not recognize what it needs? Will you not be as sensitive to those cravings? Of yeah, t- like worried. I said, the microbiome changes in four days. So if you really focus on taking these things out of your diet and then reintegrating good, healthy things over time, yeah, you're not craving these the bad things anymore. 
Well, I will say, I mean, I did do uh, one of those, the clean cleanse at one point. It was years ago and you do all that, right? You cut all the things out, including sugar and alcohol and caffeine and all this stuff. And for two nights, I had so much back pain that I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't get away from it. Like the response, the the inflammatory response in my body was so intense. What Mm -hmm. was that? Yeah, so it's it's basically your body kind of getting rid of the toxins and some people do get really inflamed with detoxifying and that's why from a functional perspective you have to work on the cortisol and the adrenals and then we look at the gut and then we do detoxification because if you try to detoxify first with a bunch of like N-acetylcysteine or brassicaic vegetables and things like that people can get pretty sick from it um and even or if you have like a gluten sensitivity and all of a sudden you're on this gluten people sometimes will get headaches and and it takes a couple of days but then they you know they get they get over it wait so, you're so saying it's the really right, interesting the right order of operations is to do what first then so in my perspective like everyone's different but from a functional medicine perspective i work on the HP axis the hormones the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis bringing down those cortisol levels um and for a couple of months and then and then we look at the gut we try and optimize the gut because we can't heal the gut if we're we're pulling all the amino acids from the gut to supply the 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 cortisol levels and then once we optimize the microbiome we can work more on the detoxification aspect and if we we do detox first oftentimes people will get so ill and they'll say forget it i'm not doing this (laughs) yeah you know i hear a lot a common symptom parents talk about their kids having um, around here, one of them is stomach pains, and the other one is constipation, and the two might be linked. What does that What does that translate to you? What What do you think when you hear that? Well, in kids, invariably, constipation is usually low fiber diet and dehydration, right? Because they, they don't drink enough water and they're not eating enough green leafy vegetables or beans or whatever. So that's pretty much uniformly what's that is and then also you know stress within their environment so who knows what their home life is or something going on at school often will manifest you know within the gut so there's a huge gut brain connection and um stress like irritable bowel syndrome you know when you work on cortisol levels and gut microbiome and removal of inflammatory foods that irritable bowel syndrome often improves markedly wow Okay. And then one other like big question for you. You said this earlier when we first started out, but I wanted to like really hone in to what you meant about it. You said there's a inflammation is linked to depression. And I think we kind of talked about it, but I wanted to like explicitly call out what you meant by that. Right. So inflammation within the body or, you know, with within the body, but then also within the gut, right? You it inhibits nutrient absorption. And we know that the receptors in the brain for, say, serotonin, which is makes you happy or depressed if they're high or low, um, is requiring zinc, right? But if you have a lot of inflammation within your gut and you're not getting that zinc to where it needs to be because it's not being absorbed or you're growing significantly during adolescence and you're not eating a great diet, you're just not taking it in. Um, we know that that receptor is not going to work as well as it normally could. And then, you know, and therefore serotonin isn't going to act on the brain and you have increased propensity for depression, um, anxiety, like our, our women, specifically young women, you know, it's like thinner is better, 
and 20 years ago, especially it was like no fat, low fat diet, right? Right. No fat. And so when you look at omega-3 and omega-6 profiles in young females, especially ones who are focused on being thin and being, you know, model-like in nature, their omega-6 profiles are super low and that can cause anxiety. And you fix those omega-6 and also omega-3 and their anxiety improves. You end up going fraught with other issues. Not to mention also, you know, oral contraceptive pills, which inhibit absorption of different nutrients. So women on oral contraceptive pills, because maybe it's just for acne or, you know, regulating their menstrual cycle, they have more nutritional deficiencies um, than uh, women who are not and subsequently increase rates of depression and anxiety. Now, I've heard omega-3s, I haven't really heard omega-6s, and that's Salmon, right? And what other, what other food? What other foods have those omegas in them? Um, yeah. So we, as a society, really focus on omega threes, right? So, um, but which is like salmon and walnuts and olive oils. But um, omega sixes are sunflower seeds. Right. And even sunflower oil, which you thought was like, oh, that's bad for me. Right. So omega six. I don't want to eat that. Brazil nuts. um, That's a great source of selenium, too, which helps our thyroid. So these things that we were thought to be, you know, bad for us, they're not necessarily they're bad in large amounts, but we need some omega sixes. Omega three is like the 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 um, the fatty acid that we we don't get enough of in the SAD diet, the standard American diet. And that's why everyone always harps on getting more omega-3s in their diet. But what happens is if you have people who are really focused on diet and nutrition, they end up eating no omega-6s. And it's really the ratio of those two that optimize health. If you're eating too many omega-3s, your metabolism of omega-6s goes down and you lose the beneficial effects of those. I mean, you, you blew my mind with what you just said. And like, I, I still need to process that. I hope like people think that through because we just had on, you know, these teenagers, you know, you know, two weeks ago, whatever. And one of the girls, they talked to, both of them talked about body image. And I know it's really important. And I know these kids who are dieting from a young age and not getting the nutrition they need it is it can not necessarily but it, it can lead to anxiety and therefore then depression that that kind of explains a lot to me that like i don't know that blows my mind right there i'm, I'm still thinking on yeah. that danielle <laughs> it blew my mind too i was like what you mean if i take this you know and i looked at my labs i looked at because i was you know an athlete and like you in college you were like okay I, I, I or in high school it was like the less you ate the better right right <laughs> and then you look at your i looked at my omega-6 profile i'm like oh my gosh this is awful and and i started to replace the omega-6s and you know my brain function my cognitive ability and how fast it was working right was was markedly improved so you like, noticed oh. the difference Oh, completely. Wow. Completely. Well, the other thing, by the way, that blows my mind, what you said that is when you normally go, when you have these issues, then you go to a primary and they say, oh, here, let's put you, then you have anxiety, let's put you on mm-hmm. anxiety. And that's the part that kills me. And that's why I'm loving talking to you as a functional medicine. Yeah. Medicine. Specialist. And it's not that there's no place for anxiety medication at all, especially if you're severely depressed, like lithium and things like that. But but they're like looking at it from all angles and working at it from all angles and potentially 
not having to use a medication that has adverse side effects long term is is really the goal here. Thank you so much. That yeah. is, that, that's fantastic. Okay, you've given us some great solutions. And I love the hopefulness that like four days, I don't know why I'm going to cling to that, but it's so mm-hmm. it's so hopeful that you can revive yourself in four days. And like us as parents, we have solutions, tangible solutions we can do right now in our home. Right now I can leave this, go over here and grill up some vegetables. Yeah. Do you have a, like a website or somewhere that people can go to read more and learn more about this? Yeah, my website is drdaniellemd.com and it's drdaniellemd.com. And um, you can read about me and my background in functional medicine. And um, yeah, I have uh, a a great telemedicine practice. I have people all over the country. So, Wow, cool. I love that. Between you and also, like I said, we have Dr. Z, Dr. Dr. Zabrowski's here if you want in person. But yeah, the two options. And I also come to Darien a couple times a year, so I could always meet with patients there as well. Um, Phenomenal! I like it. Well, I we, love won't, it there. We, we won't ask you out to drinks because we know alcohol is bad, so we won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is moderation, <laughs> right? Like I, I was at this French restaurant down the street, and every Sunday they bake these uh, croissant amandine, like these almond croissants. They're so good, and they're hot out of the oven, and they're full of gluten and bad fat. And I was literally shoving it in my mouth, and my patient walked by with her friend, with like, my functional medicine doctor. <laughs> No, see, that's and I was soul like, food. Oh, you know what? We're all human. It's like if you're good 90% of the time, the 10% is okay. It's like give yourself a break. But it, taking the time to, one, have a community like meal, like sitting down with the family at least a couple times a week if you can, and having that quality time will also function to create a social unit, right? Because it will give them something more than the crazy running to dinner and then running to bed and then doing my homework. Um, so they will have something to go to when they get depressed, maybe either that's you or extended family, maybe grandparents or aunts or uncles or brothers. Um, and then also that functions as improving nutrient absorption. So when you eat on the run like that, your, your um, release of different enzymes to break down the food you're eating so you can absorb it better is significantly reduced. So like prayer was something that people did not only to thank God, but it, it, it like acts physiologically to sh- like tell Slow. the brain, okay, I'm about to eat. So I need to, the, the enzymes need to be released within the, mu- the mouth, within the intestine, within the gut. Holy so cow. you can absorb those nutrients as we eat them. But if we don't take that time to sit, I don't care how much organic food you're eating, you're not absorbing the the amount that you could absorb if you had just taken, you know, the 20 minutes and really focused on what you're doing, focused on what you're eating. Um, but but what I was saying before is, as a society, we're so busy and, and you can't put the only, like, it's just so much for mothers and fathers to do so, like everything. So oftentimes, I will have my my nanny come in and I'll say, you know, I'm going to go on a bike ride with my my son so I can get some quality time. But here, here's the chicken soup recipe. Can you just make this for me? And, you know, that takes so much 
like of the time from me and helps because then the food is, is, is prepared for me. And she doesn't come every day, but you know, a couple of times a week she comes and, and she helps me out because it, it takes a village, right? Yeah, Whether that be smart. your grandmother or, or like a neighbor, maybe you can do it with a neighbor. Um, it, it depends on your financial situation and, and what kind of community you have. Uh, well, you know, I love you said that that you said that it's almost like it's a great kind of thing to wrap up with, um, which is a similar thing that the therapist said in in discussing like how how his parents deal with this you know this molehill of a mountain, uh, which is parents give yourself a little bit of grace. You know, you're going to miss some stuff. You're you're not, you're not going to nail it all the time. Just give yourself a little bit of break. Try you know do what you can. But um, grace. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to remind ourselves of that as as we all we parents too try to keep up with the rat race we have just as much stress as our kids do yeah there's a lot of really great you know actionable takeaways from this conversation um that i think we can all incorporate into our lives and make a positive difference in the you know health of our family so thank you so much i really appreciate it you're welcome and thank you for having me on i i would love to make an impact on a community that i love myself so appreciate oh can i say one more thing before we end of course I feel like as a society, we need an intervention on our children's extracurricular activities, whether that be like a regulatory committee for say athletes, athletics, because what happens is we're starting our children so young with athleticism. By the time they're nine and 10 years old, they're literally practicing three hours a night, maybe four or five days a week. And the interest of the child is not the interest of the coach. And you can't blame the coach. It's his career. The more he succeeds, the more, you know, the more, um, the more wins they get, the more successful they'll be. But, and the child, you know, if he doesn't do this at this young age, by the time they're 12, 13, they can't even try out for the sport because the other children are so far beyond in capability wise. So something like the American Academy of Pediatrics needs to come in and say, you know what, it's, you can't practice after seven o'clock at night if you're under the age of 10, 10 years old. Um, or, you know, you can only practice this many times throughout the week, similar to when they intervened and put our um, residency hours. Like I couldn't work more than a 24 hour shift back to back because it wasn't, un- it was unsafe for my patients. It was also unsafe for me. Right. No, that's, that's so a good perspective. Those, yeah. I think we're, we, you know, it's funny you said that. I think we are um, looking to circle back to another episode on sports and the overprogrammed, how overprogrammed our kids are, and kind of, in a way, this pay to play model here in Darien. So um, you might have uh, done a good introduction for that coming down the road. So we'll see. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. And it's great to get to know you. Um, I yeah. hope you'll be back in town and we'll get to meet up in person sometime soon. Great. Have a good night. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye, Daniel. Goodbye.